Welcome back, everyone, to They Didn't Tell You Podcast. My name is Tiffany, um, and I'm here with another episode this week, and I am calling this episode Dear Black Dads in honor of my very good friend and guest on this week's episode. So what I... <laughs> you over here fake crying on Zoom, y'all. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to be back with another episode. Uh, it's also this man's Founders Day when this episode comes out, so I'm just going to wish you happy Founders Day right now. Okay, Are you you wanna you gonna mute yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I was like, oh, do I need to wait? But I'll give it a good oh six. Get a good brush. <laughs> sorry, sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. No, Maybe that's it. Good. You know what? Since that's the introduction, Dr. Myrick, please go ahead and tell us a, a bit about yourself. Who you are? Where you from? What do you do with your nine to five? Why do you do it? Um. So outside of being a proud, proud brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, the Musine Lambda chapter, um, so much. So, I mean, the, the resume is long, as they say, but we are not going to get into all of that. Um, you better, no, you better say that. The yeah, resume, I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit. The resume is long. It's long. Give you a little but go, bit. But go um, ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so, originally, I am from, I consider home to be Jacksonville, Florida, by way of New Brunswick, New Jersey. So, a lot of people don't know that. Jersey um, stands up. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, exit nine, exit nine, uh, New Gunswick is what they used to call it back in the day when I was living there. Then moved down to Jacksonville, Florida, aka Duval. Now, keep in mind, my daughter is here and she is just sleeping, so gotta you know train them up right. So, um, as far as you know, where I'm at in my life now, so like I mentioned came from Jacksonville, Florida, single parent household. Um, My mom took care of four kids. I don't know how she did it. I have one and I'm doing it with my wife. And I'm like, wow, much more respect to this black woman in my life. Um, Worked some time at Publix. So if you are from, if you're familiar with the South, you're familiar with Publix, one of my favorite grocery stores in the world. Um, after going to Florida State University, I went to uh, Washington, D.C., where I worked for the United Negro College Fund, as well as Obamacare, the folks that created Obamacare, uh, Families USA. So I'm Obamacare, just giving you some snaps. Hold on. You know, like... The, when, the hashtag resume is long. Go ahead. Continue ooh, again. I like that. Hashtag resume long. long. Resume long, um, yes. But I worked for the Families USA, so those are the folks that helped develop um, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, depending on your political leanings, it's not, it shouldn't be political. Um, and then I actually started working for the United Negro College Fund for the Gates Millennium Scholars Program, which actually fostered a love and uh, passion, if you will, for working with um, marginalized students, underrepresented students, um, particularly black and brown students which led into this wonderful career of higher education. I got to meet Tiffany through higher ed. I met my wife through higher ed. Shout out to Pan, shout out to the wife, Tosh, love you. Um, I mean, higher ed has legit like changed my life. So in my nine to five, after going to my grad program at George Mason University, uh, my nine to five was residential life as a resident director. And then last summer, I transitioned into the role of an interim director of a black resource center here in, in Southern California. And then in May of 2020, I actually transitioned into the permanent role. So now I serve as the director. Woo-hoo! Thank you. Thank all you. 
Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm the fifth director in the history of our center. So we'll be celebrating 50 years. And so that's an honor and a privilege to, to be in this role and service my Black scholars. And then, you know, outside of that, um, there's so much more. Um, uh, blogger, I have a website, I do guest speaking, I also do some consulting, um, just finished some um, consulting uh, workshops earlier this week. So, you know, getting money. Um, I love to travel. I'm big on my daughter. Um, so I'm a new parent. And that has been a fantastic experience, so to speak. Love my daughter with all my heart. So I, I never, never, what's the word? I never new love like this before. I think that's a song. If you know, you know. Um, so having my daughter is just life-changing. Like I said, she's in my arms right now. I'm just looking at her. And, um, you know, I do a lot of uh, community service work through um, my fraternity. But then I also do a lot of work uh, with Big Brothers Big Sisters. So I serve as a mentor there. Um, I serve as a dissertation advisor for another university. I'm working on um, securing an adjunct position. I've run a book club with two of my fraternity brothers. I run another consulting business with two of my friends out here. I mean, I'm just, I'm gonna put a period right there. Hashtag resume long. And Tiffany is laughing right now, y'all. When I dropped that hashtag resume long, I took a drink, so. I need you to do something with that, Jamal. I really, really do. And which I didn't hear is I did I mute myself because I was over here cracking the hell up. And I was also writing down his resume. And then when he kept going, I said, I literally said to myself, I'm not doing this no more. I just threw the pen down and said, yeah, when you said hashtag resume long, I'm like, is it? Is it not? And it's longer. That's not everything. I just know some amazing dope people. And I was just listening to you saying, I was like, wow, I'm blessed to have so many amazing dope black people in my life especially black men i have a lot of black women as friends not a lot of them but black men as friends i'm so blessed to have you as a friend jamal so when you just listed that off i say i gotta do better <laughs> i can jamal, really be doing more <laughs> look you know i just be out here and I, I i forget um a lot of my friends they'll tell me they're like oh i didn't even know that you do these things i'm like oh because it just kind of flows through me right like it, it's all connected to my why, my purpose in my life. And so everything that I do, some way, somehow, connects to service, connects to Black community, connects to uplifting and putting other people into places. So it's, to me, it's just, oh, natural. But when I say it, folks are like, oh, damn, are you doing all of that? In my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, it's nothing. So I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, I'll also say this, when I was questioning whether or not to stay in higher education and work in higher education, it was PAN members like Jamal um, that made it very difficult for me to want to leave the field because of what they do for young people of color, specifically Black students. Um, and it just made me think, okay, maybe I should have listened to my mentor when she told me higher ed is not done with me yet. As much as I want, I am like trying my hardest to get up out of here. It keeps holding me and pulling me back. And I'm just like, what is going on? You know, I have other dreams. I have other things I want to do. And Jamal just helps me realize it's possible. I just have to go and do it. And then I can still do the work that fills my cup, as Brandon would say, my, a past PM member who was on my podcast. Oh, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. You know, I needed something that fills up my cup, but also things that, you know, 
bring more dollars into my bank account. That is, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right? And, and that's yeah. one of the things I'm learning um, through my own journey. So when I did work in nonprofit, like I'll never forget, I was on a train, 7.30 in the morning, heading to work in Washington, DC. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And higher ed was that way out. Um, but then now that I'm in the field, I've been in the game for now six years, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm excited. And also I recognize that there's more that I can be doing outside of my nine to five, right? Like there's passions and things that I'm doing now that I wish I had the wherewithal to do when I first started out. And like you said, like I'm filling my cup in other ways when higher ed isn't always going to fill it for me. Um, so it's, it's been a fantastic journey. I love higher ed. I'm not in love with it, but I do love it. And I do love what, what I'm able to do in terms of supporting my, my scholars, supporting my black people, supporting these black fantastic leaders that's going to be changing the game in just a few short years. And you know what? Shout out to my scholars too in the EOF program. Shout out to y'all. Y'all don't listen, but it's here. And um, what Jamal said, I'm not in love, but I love it. And, you know, I got, we got to find the things that we're in love with. And that leads us into part of the discussion about what we all are here to do. But of course, I always have to be a little extra before all of that. Um, I know you gave us your resume, but I want to know, um, and I think I'm going to make sure I ask this of every guest, no matter what the circumstances are, environmentally speaking, but how are you? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, let me see. How am I? Hmm, I would say I am motivated at this moment. Um, I'm motivated and at peace, almost kind of like water. Um, I think right now where I am today, I mean, I've gotten, I just got off a really good call with a friend of mine. And sometimes you need people to remind you like how fucking dope you are. I'm sorry, can I curse on here? I'm, I'm trying to mute myself. Absolutely. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm just trying to be. <laughs> absolutely. Be absolutely. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just, you just need people to remind you of like who you are. And I think last night, uh, that versus battle with Jeezy and Gucci Man really took me back to a place that I was. And I was sharing in a, in a director's meeting earlier today. And I was like, you know, I was listening to the Gucci Man and Young Jeezy versus battle, and I loved it. And I felt that I was back at home. My daughter got to share that moment with me. And then you just see people kind of like, but the black people knew. Like, we knew what was We going. knew. Like you said before, if you know, you know. Yeah. And, I and mean, I didn't okay. watch the battle, but if you know, you know. Yeah. And it, and it was, I, I felt that peace, right? Like, I know a lot of people was like super tense about that, but it just reminded me of like, wow, like I've really come really, really far in my life and I'm, I'm really humbled and I'm just like, wow. And um, I'm motivated, right? I'm motivated to not necessarily keep going higher ed wise, but keep going in, in my passions, right? So yeah, we have the book coming out in the, in what, in a couple, couple days actually, um, have the book coming out, have a few other things in the works right now, but it's like, I look at my daughter and I just get even more motivated because now I'm really understanding what people say about generational hurt and like trying to like change it and take it away. It's one thing to actually like say it, but now that my daughter is like in my hand, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, wow, 
let me do my part. And so, like I said, feeling really motivated, feeling at peace as well, like almost like water right now. And it's, it's a really good space to be in because the, the week didn't start this way, um, but it's definitely ending this way. So I'm really, really feeling really good. Well, I'm happy to hear it. And when he says his daughter's in his hands, like she's literally in his hands right now. Okay. And I got to see what she looks like. Beautiful. Yeah, no cap. No cap is no the cap. as the kiddies say. Yeah, no, and and, and furthermore, um, sis kind of like spit up on his shirt before he got here. And so I'm I'm gonna try to find a way to to take a little screenshot of this and just so we can post this as our as our okay. own little special blooper. She didn't want him to be great today. She said, you know, well, let me just let it's everybody right. know I'm here. You I'm know, here. Came with it's the all right. black and a little a little spit up on the left shoulder. Something like Look, you know, something it wasn't like this is the mm-hmm. it wasn't it's not that light, but you know, <laughs> all good. I wanted to come here and be authentic. So you were that's and that's what I appreciate. That's what you know, my podcast is all about authenticity. So I don't even think that I really got into the why of this episode. I skipped right over that, I think. So why are we here, right? It's important to know why we're here. He ran down his resume, but we're here to talk about something else added to that resume, and that's his new book. It's called Dear Black Dads. And um, when I tell you, that's where the name of this episode came from, of course, but I listened to the book on, Audi- on Audible. I'm not an Audible kind of girl. I like to hold a book in my hands and read, but I said, if it's not accessible there, then I'm going to have to fi- find it by um, other means. So I listened to it. I have my notes from it. I have some questions because I had told, um, I told my boyfriend that we were doing this episode and that I was going to read and, or, and listen to your book. Shout out to the boyfriend though. Hey, um, hey babe. And so he, you know, he was like, why do you want to read a book about what dads have to say or fathers? Like, I was like, cause I think it's important for me to know this book is meant for black men, but it should, it's meant for black women as well. And if, as much as we say, we want to men to kind of, understand us and what we're going through they have to open themselves up to the information and so while i'm not expecting okay i'm not expecting any baby anytime soon i thought it would be helpful to inform myself um and see what's in here and see who i can um essentially pass this information to share a gem with i have plenty of friends who are who are new fathers who we talk all the time about what's going on. And that's, I just really can't relate. And this book helped me relate just a little bit more. Um, I can't completely relate. I'm not a man. I'm not in your shoes, but it just helped kind of peel back that curtain a little bit for me. So um, Jamal, can you tell us uh, a bit about your journey with um, <clears throat> being a new father? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to choke, uh, cough like that, y'all. But it's tell okay. us a bit about your journey with being a new father um and kind of what you learned um i mean if we really want to go back uh so going back to when my wife told me when tosh told me she was pregnant i was like oh let's go uh so my child is not a covid baby no 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 shade to anybody but (laughs) we we have planned right so Mm -hmm. just just for jokes right um, and it's been probably one of the most eye-opening journeys I've ever been on from conception until now. Um, a lot of unlearning and relearning, if you will. So you kind of see a little bit of that in the book. Um, you'll see in chapter one where I talk about my very first encounter uh, with, with, the, with the hospital system, with the healthcare system, um, where the nurse was like, oh, do you, do you want to keep it? Do you really want to keep it? 
And it's like, don't don't ask me no bullshit like that. Like Jamal from Jacksonville almost came out on your ass. Not you almost got a different type of Jamal. Um, and so even it's it's been interesting to, to have this experience through COVID, right? So all the cool stuff, if you will, that would normally take place, we didn't get to do, right? Like the going out, inviting family to stuff, like we didn't really get to do that. Um, a lot of journaling. So one of the biggest things I, I've done um, throughout this period is journaling. So yes, I have my own journal and I also wrote letters to my daughter. So I got to see the progression of my daughter from Hey, baby J to Sweet Pea, because when we started writing that, um, she was the size of a Sweet Pea. And then it was like size of a cantaloupe. And I was like, I'm not going to call you baby cantaloupe. So I'm going to go back to baby J. And then when we found out that we're having a daughter, then you see KJ and then Carter. And so I'm like, I'm literally like seeing my daughter like come to life. And um, it, it's been emotional. Like there's been times just randomly listening like Brown Skin Girl, like for some weird reason, that song would like make me cry. Like I'll be driving, and, oh my God, Brown Skin Girl. Ah. Um, so it, it was just weird. Like it was really an emotional thing for me. Um, I had, I knew that I had a connection with my daughter. So even before we knew what her sex was going to be, I knew that, I, like I told folks, I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be a girl. Um, and girl, then I told folks back in February, I was like, oh, she's not going to be born on October 9th. She's going to be born on either the day before my birthday, my birthday, or the day after she was born on October 15th. My birthday is October 14th at 10, 15. Um, okay. Number. Okay. This look, is, I, this? I'm telling okay. you, we, we have a connection. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my, my favorite moments though was when I had I had to take a trip out of um, out the state and uh, Tosh has these headphones that she can put to have her listen to music. Cause we would play like John Coltrane, Dizzy Gillespie, um, Bella Kute, uh, just all like all kinds of like music. Um, and I was talking to her and Tosh was like, she's moving. Right. Like I was like telling her a story of my grandfather, her great grandfather, because it was his birthday and she's like moving to the sound of my voice. And I'm like, wow, like she really is like listening to me. And then fast forward to birth, the day of her birth. I mean, I was in tears, like big tears. Like I had a mask on. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was about to die because it, it was just it was just a bad look and i'm trying to like be strong for tosh i'm trying to like make sure that she's not stressing out or anything and i'm just a wreck i'm an emotional wreck um but throughout it all very very humbled um it was scary at different points because you know black the black uh more not the mar mortality rate but the high rate of um babies being black babies being lost um, and so there was like conversations that Tosh and I had to have about, you know, if something happens, I'm choosing you, right? Like, I don't think anyone should have to go through something like that. Um, I'm lucky we had a doula to help guide us through that experience and guide us through, through, 
from start to finish everything that was going on because even in the hospital, um, the, the night that she got admitted, they told me, she told me to come upstairs. There was no acknowledgement of me, right? As the father, like Tiffany, you could have walked in there and nobody would have batted an eye. Um, so no, nobody like checked to see who I was or anything along those lines. I walk into the hospital room with the bags and everything and um, the nurses, they just kind of like looked at me and just kind of looked away and just kept doing whatever they're doing. And so then that's when Jacksonville Jamal came out. And I was like, hello, my name is Jamal, but you can call me Dr. Myrick. I'm the husband and I'm the father. Just want to let you know that I'm here and I'm present. The energy changed just like that. And I don't like to do those types of things, but when I have to, for to make sure that my voice is being heard, my wife is okay, my daughter is okay, you're gonna hear what I gotta say. And so um, it's been it's been a whirlwind of a journey, um, already recognizing that her life is gonna be different already. Um, the love and support that we've received from our village has been um, amazing. So shout out to everybody that supported us throughout, giving us gifts, just checking in on us. Um, it's been great. It's been, it's been by far one of the best, um, actually it is the best experience I've ever had. Like there's no better accomplishment that I have better than my daughter, so. Y'all, I'm not gonna cry. You're gonna cry. This is beautiful. This is more than I expected. Go off Jamal. I'm, I'm here for um, you being this vulnerable and this honest because I want people to hear that and you know not run away from those feelings when you have them. It's okay, dads, to get out there and get in your bag of a brown skinned girl. It's absolutely okay. It's a beautiful song. And when you think about how many brown skinned girls, little girls you've seen love the song, dance to the song, and then you have your own little brown skinned girl, of course it's gonna when she dances to it, you're gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, it's a different feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, I would think about her. Like I don't even didn't even know what she looked like, right? And it just it just hit me in a way that I just wasn't expecting. Um, mm -hmm. And that's been a reoccurring theme uh, movement throughout mm -hmm. the nine, now 10 months uh, with our daughter. Mm -hmm. um, I wanna ask the question, did you set any kind of expectations for yourself to be an, as being a new father and what were they? So very early on, and this is what I, I mean about um, unlearning and, and also healing. Um, so my only expectation was to be a better father than my dad was to me. Um, and I, now looking back, I'm like, Ugh. Um, but very early on and for years it was, I just want to be a better father than what I had. So for context, like my dad and I's relationship is, was rocky, very, very rocky um, in and out of my life due to a plethora of other things, kind of like the the stereotypical black black uh, black boy and their dad type of thing that folks like to promote a lot, and um, it was through counseling, through therapy, as well as um, reading uh, Bell Hooks' *The Will to Change*. Interestingly enough, um, those two book or that book going to therapy really helped prepare me and help help me understand that I shouldn't want to be a better father than my dad. I should just be, want to be a good father just because, right? Like I should want to be a good father because I want to be a good father, not because of my relationship with my father. Like, yes, I see that. I understand 
he wasn't there and, and that caused her totally understand that. But for me, part of the, the healing process was letting that hurt go and say, you know what, I want to be a good dad because I want to be a good father because my daughter deserves me to be a good father to her. Um, and so that was by far one of the biggest things that I've learned. And that's my now expectation as she wakes up. Um, and so for me, it's, it's giving, giving my all as much as I can and, and creating a space where my daughter never has to wonder like who her father is or who her father was. And so I love spending time with her and just kind of like reading to her or just like yesterday, like I shared, um, listening to the versus battle. Now I know some folks are like, oh, bad parent, get out of my business. Um, Cause I felt like it was, it was cool to share that moment with my daughter because a lot of people know how much, like how steep that was and listening in to the early trap music and listening to young Jeezy and all of that jazz. So like my daughter got to see me like get really, really excited and um, really creating moments that last with her and, and my family is, is what my, my expectations are, are now um, and making sure that she's set up for, for the future. So her and her siblings, cause she will have some in the future, um, but making sure that they're good and they, they have what they need um, whether I'm here or whether I'm not, so. All right, Jamal. Um, <laughs> do you feel like, in, you know, from hearing how you're talking, this may, you may not have felt this, but um, do you feel like there was a lot of pressure either from family, from yourself or your wife on um, being the kind of dad that everyone thought you might want to be or you should be? Um... No, not really. Um, so I think everyone, for the most part, everyone's like, oh, you're going to be a great father or man, you're going to be a better father than your dad. Well, cool. I get that. Um, but again, part of the, the therapy process for me was really trying to center myself and what I need and what I want to do, um, not regardless, regardless of what everyone else is expecting of me. Um, I think folks are just like, we know you're going to be a great dad. Like your dad wasn't around, but, um, as far as any, anything else related to that, nah, not really. And this is why I say go to therapy because therapy works. It works, um, wonders for the mind, heart, soul, um, get in where you fit in. You for say? sure. I mean, I'm, I'm celebrating five years in the, in like three weeks of going to wow. the I wonder if my therapist will put up me for that long. It'll be a year in January, so maybe I'll celebrate for both of us. She thinks I'm crazy anyway. Well, not in that way. Maybe I shouldn't say that about my therapist, but she knows I'm out there, so I, and maybe um, I need to celebrate that one year because that is an accomplishment. In five years with the same therapist, that person knows you. Oh, I can't wait to get to that moment because sis will already know when I'm lying. Um, so tell me, Jamal, let's talk about this book. Why write a book? And what was your thought process behind wanting to be a published author? So, um, so hey, KJ is going away now. Um, so, is she hungry? yeah, she's hungry. Yeah. Okay. So that's Tasha, y'all. So that's my wife. Um, she says hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, in terms of why I wanted to write the book, right? That's the the question. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, Sorry, so, I was like trying to. I was like, 
Um, but the, the reason why I wanted to write the book, so funny story, I actually talked about this and this is why I try to tell folks, let people know what you want to do and let people know what your dreams are and allow people to hold you accountable. So when I told um, one of my closest friends who actually used to live with me, shout out to Aaron Brunson, um, he told me, he was like, I remember you told me about that in college, that you wanted to write a book about black fatherhood and you wanted it to kind of be an opportunity to kind of share your story. And I was like, motherfucker, damn, you're right. Let me go ahead and get on this. Um, and so it's, it's always been a part of me. I think during the quarantine, it allowed me to reflect on my desires and my wants and just some of the dreams that I've had that maybe I put aside because life is life was lifing. Right. Um, and so fast forward to 2020, uh, I just felt like I needed to get it out. Um, you know, me now, uh, being, being, getting ready to be a father. I was like, you know, I need, I need insight. I need advice. Um, and there's a plethora of books about motherhood for women, but I didn't see a lot of books about fatherhood or the black man, the black, the black dad experience. And so I was like, instead of complaining about it, let me go ahead and plug, plug the gap, so to speak. And so really having an opportunity to showcase other black dads from a variety of different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, socioeconomic statuses, and all, all the above. I thought that was important um, to highlight these men that some I don't even know. Like I've still never met some of the fathers that contributed um, their thoughts. And it's, it's been a fantastic experience to be able to showcase them, showcase my own story, um, to hopefully provide um, tools and resources for other Black dads that are wanting to, again, change the narrative um, so we don't keep repeating the same things that we were doing um, in, our, in our history. And then in terms of the self-published author piece, really, that has always been, like, that is literally on my my goal list, so to speak, my bucket list. Um, I like to call it my life list, but um, that's always been a goal of mine, is just to get get the story out. Uh, whether it was a novel, this, um, it's always been a part of me to, to get, get a story out about something that I'm passionate about. Uh, yeah, I did a dissertation, that's cool, and I love it, but for me, it's what is something that's gonna be accessible and it's something that's immediate that our community can access and say, you know what, this is something that I need. It's quick. It's easy. I, I got, I got what it, I got what I needed from this moment. And so, for me, being the, the self-published author is really just an opportunity to share stories and to make sure that I'm doing my part to add to to the community and add insight, wisdom, and some free jewelry to make sure that we're moving the culture and the community forward. Amen. Um, so what did you find to be the most challenging aspect about bringing your idea to life? Um, bringing an idea to life? Yes, sir. Oh, no, that, that's the most challenging. <laughs> um, oh because <laughs> like, I'm, like I mentioned, life, life is always going to life. And that's something that one of my mentors told me. And uh, it's been a, a doozy um, trying to maneuver through this. So really, I kind of started this process back in late March, early April. Like I remember telling Tosh, I'm going to write this book. And, you know, procrastination happens, writer's block happens. Um, for me personally, it's, I don't get really vulnerable. I don't get super personal 
with just anybody, right? So like even with you and I right now, I'm comfortable with you and we have a pretty established relationship to where I can, you know, share my thoughts and feel feel comfortable doing this. Um, but it's definitely taking me outside of my comfort zone um, to be able to put my work out and say, you know what, I'm just not gonna look at it. Um, it's It's been, cause you know, the world is is crazy and so um yeah i, I uh, wrote for blavity and wrote right for my own website among uh many others um but something so personal and something so connected to me as well as these other men's stories i took i took a lot of pride in that and i was very protective of that and so i had to kind of almost break the what's the word break the barrier from my own self to say you know what we're going to put this uh, work of art out there. We're going to make sure that we're going to cherish these men's stories. I'm going to cherish my own story. And whatever happens is going to happen. Um, so I found myself throughout this process, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't put it out or even like putting out a later date. So yes, it's coming out on December 1st. I mean, if I did what I originally wanted, it would have kind of came out like late summer of next year. Um, but I was like, nah, like let's 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 commit to it, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. As black, I'm gonna say creatives, um, black folks that's putting out um, awesome and dope uh, content, if you will. Sometimes, especially when you're starting out, I think there's this belief that it's not supposed to be you, or it's not for you, or it's not happening how it's happening for other people, and you can't do it. And so, really trying to separate myself from that that perspective and just say. I'm just doing it because this is important to me. This is going to be important to other people. And we're going to just put it out and just see what happens. Um, win, lose, or draw. Um, there, I don't know if you know, or if some of your listeners know, there's a rapper. Um, his name is Joel Santana of Dipset Fame. And so, hey, shut up. you know, I, I don't know, you know. Um, but he says, he talks about how um, when, when his debut album was coming out, they interviewed him and they asked him there, how, like, what are you projecting? A million, two million, and I'll never forget it. He said, I don't care if I sell a million or I sell like two, two albums. If it's only two albums, that's two people that want to know the truth. And for me, that, that's, that has stuck with me in, in a way that has been really helpful throughout this process is like, well, if only two people buy the book, that's cool because it was never about trying to get numbers. It was never about trying to get rich off of it. It was about trying to make a significant impact in somebody's life, particularly Black fathers' lives, in terms of the most important role in their own lives. Yes. I don't know what else to say. Like, you're, just, you're doing all the work, and I'm just sitting here just like a spectator, just enjoying right. the words. Right. I really am. So I want to talk about the book itself. And for me, I love good cover art. I think it's important. It's what drags... Uh, drives people to your book so can you talk a little bit about your process of choosing your cover art choosing the color the font even the title of the book yes yeah, so um so everything about the book has some type of meaning some type of significance so the book dropping on december 1st that's tosh my wife's birthday as well as my grandmother who passed away it's her birthday um the colors it, they represent for the NFL fans, if you will, the Jacksonville Jaguar colors. So that teal, it reminds me of home, right? That teal and white, it reminds me of home. And um, the title in terms of Dear Black Dads, um, so some folks know, Tiffany, you, you know, um, one of my favorite things is writing letters. 
or writing cards. So a lot of a lot of times throughout the years, I'll just like randomly send people cards. And in terms of thinking about the book, that's how I wanted it to kind of read is like, you're talking to your friend, your friend is like, hey, I have all this insight. And I just want to drop these notes to you. And I that that was important to me, where it's, it's digestible, it's quick, it's easy to understand. And so the, the Dear Black Dads piece, that that really came from my experience, like writing letters, because I'm always Dear Tiffany, Dear Tosh, so on and so forth. Um, in terms of how long the actual book is, if you read it, it's 50, or if you read it, it's about 50 or some pages. If you listen to it, it's 52 minutes. And some folks might be like, well, why is this so short? Um, now, as a parent, I ain't got a lot of time. And so that, that, that is the reason why, right? Like, that's the reason why I wanted it to be a quick read. I wanted it to be a quick listen. While you're on your commute, you can just kind of listen to it. It's, it's nice. It's, it's smooth. Um, everything about the book is black. As a matter of fact, it's black as fuck. Um, so the designer of the cover, black. Um, the editor of the book, so the, the person that formatted the grammar and all of that, black. Um, the narrator, black. Um, and so that all of that run was down really- down that list. Huh? I said, run down that list. I'm just saying, like when when I say that I'm not I'm not new to it. I'm very very true to it, and this is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I wanted to make sure that I, I uplifted other Black folks in in the creation of this book. Um, so it, it was important to me, especially even on the audio version, like finding um, adult Black voiceover slash narrator. So. I didn't even know that that was a particular job that you can do. I didn't know that there's like websites that you can go to. Um, side note, if you're thinking about putting out a book um, and you are looking for a black narrator, it's really difficult um, because some of these websites are actually hella anti-black and it's urban. You'll always find them in urban. And some of the things that I found, it's yo, 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 what's up, cuz? And I'm like, no, like, what the fuck is that? Um, so it, it was really, really weird. It was a, a very weird process or even trying to find an illustrator or a designer who is actually black because there are some folks in some spaces that are essentially doing digital blackface. And so like all these things I didn't know about prior, I'm learning as I'm kind of moving on. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been a journey, but I'm, I'm happy, like I said, that I had the opportunity to put other folks forward. You gave me a new a new term that I'm about to write down. Digital blackface. Lord, damn. Just, just dropping the jimmies out I here. I mean, okay. So tell us, with this book itself, what do you feel like a person can ex um, expect from a future father? Yes. Yeah, so quite a few things, but I think that the top three that come to my mind is it's okay, right? Like what you're going through is is okay. So almost some validation or affirmation about your experience. Um, so you'll see in the book where we're talking about postpartum, right? And so 30, 60, 90, and 180 days, like what does this all look like and how are you supporting not just your partner or your wife, but how are you also supporting yourself throughout this period? And so that was really validating for me. Um, I go back to the book quite often, right? I go back to my own book 
to say, dang, like, all right, so I'm 30 days, like, we just celebrated a month in a few days, and I've actually been going back to the book, like, wow, I'm learning a lot about this process. The other piece that I think folks uh, can expect from this book is to, like, laugh. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of funny stories in there um, that I thought, wow, like, I never thought about these pieces in terms of fatherhood. And then finally, I think it offers a different perspective on the family structure and the family relate and family relationships. And so what I mean by that is a lot of times, and I had, I actually kind of talk about this early in the book. Um, you know, there's that whole statistic like, oh, there aren't a not like black men aren't in their, their um, kids lives and all that jazz. But the, the family structure is very different, right? So I can be unmarried and I can still have a child right like that still counts i can still be a stepfather that still counts um there's a particular quote in the book from one of the the contributors and he says um you know whatever you do like even if it's not going to work out with the mom you be there you be present with the with the child right and so that that really stuck out to me because you don't really hear that a lot at least in my circles in the spaces that i've been in you don't really hear that a lot where where dads are like oh you know you'll see it online where it's like f the baby mama and like in the music and oh, la, 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 la. but really that stuck out so much for me because that that was key like that was really really important for me to hear um because I, it made me reflect on my own situation with my father um it's like no matter what you know you need to be a part of your child's life whatever is going to happen you need to be a part of that child's life and it's important so those are the three things so i would say affirmation validation i would say um insight for for the new dads um some some things that are going to be funny a different perspective on what black fatherhood is and what that actually looks like and then also the changing of the narrative and encouraging you to say hey like whatever is going to happen i'm going to be a part of my child's life and I'm going to be an active member in my child's life too. Please pardon this brief interruption, y'all. I am doing my very first giveaway and I am super excited about it. I am giving two listeners a copy of Jamal's new book, Dear Black Dads, Wisdom for Your Journey to Fatherhood. In addition to that, I am giving away a journal that Jamal created to accompany his book. How dope is that? In order to get your name thrown in the hat, there's really only two things that you need to do. The first thing is repost any promo that I've made for this episode, any promo that I've made for the giveaway. You can go to Jamal's page um, and repost anything that he's posted in reference to his book. You can also tag us in a screenshot of you listening to this episode, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, what have you. Be sure, this is number two, be sure to tag Jamal and I so we can see it. Keep in mind, if your page is private, we will not be able to see your submission. Now, if you want to show additional love and support, feel free to tell everyone else to follow us and to participate in this giveaway. It's free. It don't hurt, right? I won't be mad and I don't think you'll be mad. Well, maybe you might because more people are trying to get into the giveaway. But look, Sharing is caring. Anyone can enter as long as your post is made by the end of the day on December 9th. I'm talking 11.59 p.m. Like you got a paper due. That's when it's due. This could be a really nice Christmas stuffer, a nice little random gift for a dad or a new dad in your life. So I'm giving it to two people because I feel like, you know what, one is just not enough. So thank you so much for 
um, showing us love for listening to this episode. I will be sure to DM the winners and get their addresses. We both appreciate your support. Don't forget to pick up Jamal's book. If you um, haven't already, you can purchase it on Amazon. The journal as well will be available on Amazon. That's really all I have to say. Now let's get back into the episode. We know that it's not just uh, Black fathers not wanting to be present in their children's lives. We also know that there's um, a high population of Black men that are in our prison systems. And so that too adds to this narrative of Black men not being present. So you don't see them present as a couple being married um, because that's what you want to see. Um, But you don't see the ones, like you said, that are stepfathers, the ones that are um, uncles that act as fathers in lieu of, because sometimes children lose their fathers due to other other issues and other things. Um, So for me, it's just like... I want to make sure, and this and this is why I'm happy I brought you on and I'm having you here. And, and I started my season two off with my two friends for Father's Day. And I was like, I know the dads are getting a lot of love from me lately. And, you know, I want to pour back into y'all because I know sometimes it can feel like we're very hard on Black men, but it's because we need to be. And I think that you are showing a good example of what it's like to be strong as a Black man as well and a Black father and what we and what it's going to take and what we need um, to really to really do better. Um, for our children to be better, for our for the to give our children accesses to to resources and things that aren't necessarily um, tangible for them right now, just like your baby, tangible in your hands. <laughs> so um, I want to know what are some of your favorite sections and chapters of this book. What do you really, really um, feel hits you like? Hmm, that I, I love that statement from that particular father or that story made me laugh because I do have a story that made me laugh and I think it might be the same story. I don't know if it's the same one that made you laugh, but I was cracking the hell up. Um, But go ahead. Yeah. um, So I think about, there's a response from uh, one of the fathers where he's talking about aloe vera and um, he's talking about um, that, that whole shebang where he didn't actually put him and his wife actually didn't put aloe, aloe vera like the actual cream on, they put aloe vera juice on their on their. That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's so funny because I know I know him, and he's like funny like that. Um, but I can for definitely foresee myself like potentially doing something like that. You good? Sorry. Um, so um, that's one of the the funny the one of my my favorite stories in the book, and then. Another story that actually comes up for me is when we're talking about um, like any additional advice and there's a father in there who's kind of sharing how, see, Tasha and I are working together on getting her situated. One band, one sound. Um, so we're, t- we're sorry, got, got quickly distracted, but one okay. of the things that, um, that I that really stuck out to me was what I had mentioned a little bit earlier with that quote, with that quote about um, staying present regardless of what is, what's going to happen with the mom, um, because I think a lot of men need to hear that. A lot of black men need to hear that. Um, like, yeah, like you might have a really bad situation. You might have a situation that you're not fond of, but do not do anything to the child, right? Like that. Like that hit me in a in a way that I wasn't anticipating, especially when I was in the the, the delivery room. So one of the things that I um, 
I actually told my dad, I called him and I said, I don't understand how a man would not want to, I don't understand how a man wouldn't want to be a part of his child's life after watching something like that and like actually being a participant. And then I remember reading that, that um, word from the, uh, from the father, like to me, I just couldn't imagine not being a part of my, my daughter's life like that. I mean, that, that is, it just can't even compute in my mind. And so um, that was something else that really stood out to me um, in the, in the book. And then also I think um, where I'm talking about in chapter one, that experience with that experience with the, at the, with the nurse, I think that already kind of set me up to engage with the healthcare system. Right. And so being able to kind of share that, was one thing, but also being able to uplift and recognize, once again, a black woman and Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, um, who is credited as the first black woman to receive her MD. And so that was really important um, for me and also continues to stand out um, to me for everything that black women have, have done and continue to do to make sure that the community is good. And so um, those are some of the pieces that really, really stuck out um, in terms of the book for me. Because of you, I looked up Rebecca Lee Crumpler. I had to know who this woman was um, and what she was about. So you put me on to somebody I had no idea about at all. Um, I think one of the, the chapters that stood out to me the most, and I wrote it right here, I said, this chapter is key. And it was chapter number four, don't overthink, um, just be present. I really enjoyed that chapter. I'm looking at my notes, so forgive the pages all. But I really enjoyed that chapter, and I love that you broke it up, and I believe into 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and 180 days, if I wrote that down correctly. He nodded his head, yes, I take good notes. Yes. Uh -huh. So um, I just love that, you know, once you hear it, because I don't want to give everything away, um, but once you hear what to expect and, and that as the time goes on, it's like progression of certain things and it's kind of like a level of understanding you now have not just about yourself as a father not even just your child but how your wife is doing how you're the woman who just gave life um brought forth life into this world how she's doing what her body's doing things that you have no idea about things that we don't even women don't even have uh, any idea about and kind of being mindful of that respectful of that and doing what i think all women anyone who's bringing life into this world with a partner deserves is to be showered with love showered with um care and concern and, and be and be willing to be present, like the chapter said, in whatever moment that is, because not every moment's gonna be beautiful, not every moment's gonna be, um, oh my goodness, everything worked out perfectly today. It's not always gonna be like that. I think from what I'm gathering, there's gonna be more days not like that than there are. So I really, really appreciated that breakdown. And um I also Oh, that's oh, the aloe vera story came in chapter. Uh, I won't tell you what chapter, y'all. Y'all gonna have to listen, but that's it came the next chapter after, um, shortly after that. So, but that story, the aloe vera one, for me, what made me laugh is because I know in my mind that the plant was necessary. So, when the story came back about what happened, I was just like, wow, it's very, um, it's very interesting about how far we're willing to go to make sure our kids have everything that they need. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but mm -hmm. it also kind of showed me for the father in this case, kind of his compassion for his mm -hmm. wife in that moment. And I really resonated with that and I felt it and I was like, wow, you know, you could have, 
what I probably want to do was just laugh. But you really took the time to realize that doing that could hurt her. You know, in a moment where, you know, she's feeling fragile, you know, everybody feels like they don't want to fail their child, especially not the first one. So, yes, you know what I'm saying? That is so true. That is so true. Because, I mean, like you said, you don't, you don't want to, to fail on the first one because it's like, oh, dang, like, what the hell are y'all doing, right? And so um, that that story definitely painted in a really dope way, especially from the dad's perspective. And like I said, I know him personally. And so it, it's even funnier to me because I know how he is in like real life, so. There was something else that, uh, the chapter that was fatherhood is the best hood. And, you know, just hearing what you've had to say from beginning to this point right now, it sounds like that's exactly what it is. And I feel like it's a humbling um, time in your life, too. And so, and I think it's a part of, and like what you've said, you've, you've learned so much about yourself and, um, and in turn about your wife, in turn about your daughter, who she's becoming. I remember you told me she already has her own personality. Sis is growing into it. Look, she's disrespectful. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She, but no, she, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's definitely leaning into her own and it's been great to watch her do her thing, so to speak. I, I promise you, you make it sound high key magical. And I was just thinking after we had, cause Jamal and I had met before we actually recorded this. And after our conversation, I was just thinking back in my mind, like, dang, Jamal was just talking about the fact that he knew he was going to be a dad. Now he's going in the date. She's so beautiful. Y'all, y'all can't even see that she's gorgeous. Um, but what it's like to to know you're going to be expecting to now having that baby in your hands and holding her in your hands. And I just kind of like got the chills like, whoa, that for me felt like a little bit of a mind blowing experience. So I can fully understand um, everything that you said about how you reacted emotionally. It makes 110 percent sense. Yeah, um, I, I mean, sorry, I know no, um, it feels like I, I've told some of my mentees it's definitely a. Um, it's in a, it's a spiritual thing, right? Like I, I've told some folks that it is, I've never seen anything so pure, right? Like from watching my wife who loved dearly, like give birth to like my child, to our child that we put together and like watch this child that we've been talking to laughing about, joking about, don't know anything about her for like nine months and then like watch her come out like hair first, which that was like a really big thing for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was like, please have hair because I don't want you to look like a naked cat. Um, naked cats are actually really cute to me. They're a little weird. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I don't want her to be like that. But um, to have her like come out and like watch my wife like hold her and she's like looking at us, right? She's literally looking at my wife and I, and she's like, wham, and just like already personality. And that just like continues to stand out to me. And as time has gone on, she continues, she continues to like show her face and like show out like today, you know, I'm holding her and I just start feeling something wet. And I'm like, oh man, she like, peed on me and like she's looking and smiling I'm like, i can't be mad i can't be mad like so it's 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 a spiritual thing for sure and i don't, I don't think people talk about about the process not just uh 
like the becoming of becoming a parent, but the spiritual transition that, you know, both of us, like both parents are doing um, with who they are, their identity, their role in all, all things uh, life-wise, if you will. So, um, and you, I guess you probably already talked about this, but if you have anything else to add, um, can you talk a little bit about how, a little bit more about how you see this book or your book impacting in the stories, impacting our community, or how would you like for it to impact our community? Yeah, so um, for me, my, I don't, I don't think it, it'll, I think that, not think, I know that it'll impact um, a lot of fathers that are trying to, once again, unlearn and just recreate, not recreate, but develop a different perspective on what fatherhood looks like, right? So I think about um, one of the fathers, he talks about how, like the child necessarily, the child isn't ours, right? Like the child isn't yours, it's for a, a bigger purpose. It's for, for God, right? And so that's different, right? Like to hear somebody like tell that to you, because it's true, right? Like your child isn't going to be you. Like my daughter, yes, she has some of my traits. She has some of Tasha's traits already, but she's going to have her own dreams, her own perspectives, her own everything. And so our role as stewards of this beautiful child is to make sure that we're pouring into her and we're setting her up to do what she needs to do in her life. Um, and that's the goal with, with the book is to change the narrative and to change the perspectives and encourage other black fathers to be like, you know what, I'm going to rethink this, or maybe I don't need to do that thing, or maybe, maybe I want to do this particular thing to be a better father, or maybe I can do this other thing to make sure that I'm, I'm supporting my partner or supporting my wife or whoever um isn't who's ever in the picture with them i think that that that's my hope and i know that that's what other fathers are going to get out of the experience um i know on the audible book the audible version um some of the folks that already listened to the book have already reached out and was like look i already have kids and that was powerful for me and i've found myself taking notes and i've been doing this fatherhood thing for years and i was like oh wow yes touched um, you know like but that's the purpose of, of mm -hmm. the book is i really want um all the black dads or if you know a black a black dad and somebody that's about to be a black dad like hey here's here's some free jewels here's some free gems that you can potentially use in your own um fatherhood repository if you will to make sure that hey you're doing what you can and you're being the best father that you can be to your child or children and your partner as well as yourself. Um, I wrote down, and I'm, I love that you brought that up, that your child is not yours, because I wrote that down too. That stuck out to me, and I had to pause it and think for a second. And I even think about conversations I have with my mom about the choices that I make. Like, you can guide me, you can direct me all you'd like or give me all the advice you'd like. You know, if I don't do what you want me to do, that shouldn't make you upset or angry or it shouldn't make you feel like I'm defying you because my life is not yours. And I told her, you know, and I joke with her, but every time she get on my nerves, I tell her, I didn't ask to be here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I did not ask to be here. So, you know, who I become is who I've become. I didn't mm -hmm. ask to be here. And, you know, if you wanted me to be something that you uh, handcrafted, then I don't know, apply, maybe more so apply it to yourself, but not to me. 
Right. And it's not to be disrespectful, of course. My mind will pluck me in my forehead and it's in a heartbeat. But it's to say, you know, I need to be able to learn to stand on my own two feet. You're not always going to be here. Just like the book, your book said as well. You're not always going to be here. Um, And so it's important that your kids know um, how to be as independent as possible, how to be free thinkers, how to be actual critical thinkers, um, how to learn from their mistakes. You can't fix all of them. You can't prevent all of them. You really shouldn't want to or even try. So... The format, can you just talk a little bit about a little bit about the format and the availability of the book? How can someone get their hands on it? Because you know it's available now to listen to. So Yes. So um that's been been a, a, the fun part about this whole experience is learning about different formats, learning all, all different ways to make it accessible. Um so right now you can find it on Amazon, the ebook version um for pre-order, and it'll be available on December first. Same thing with same thing with the print version. So the paperback version will be available on December 1st as well. And then you can listen to the Audible version. You can listen to it on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes right now um, if you wanted to. Now, the caveat, um, on March 1st, um, you'll actually be able to get the ebook um, in your libraries. And so um, if you have Overdrive or Libby, so any of the library apps that um, you might want to potentially check out the book, um, you'll also have that option as well. But that'll be starting in March. That's really dope. Getting your book in a library. I'm here for it. Congratulations. You know, I'm just. I love that. I love it. and, and, and And there's reason behind that, right? So I don't, I tried to make it as, low cost as possible right so the book is five five dollars the audible version if you didn't have like an audible credit like a lot of other folks do um it's three dollars and 46 cents um the print version is ten dollars and 15 cents and so i didn't want the price point to be um a barrier to anybody but just in case um folks aren't able to um afford any of those pieces they'll be able to check it out starting in March um, on their um, library applications. This is what I call doing the work. And I love it. I really, really do. Um, and I guess if you want to do, because uh, uh, we're at the towards the end of the episode, well, if you want to do like a final sales pitch on why we need to pick it up right now, why um, maybe not wait for the printed version, get both, do both of them. Yeah. Um, um, right? so- so yeah, so black a black people are a monolith, so it doesn't have to be a or. You can actually get all three versions if you really wanted to. You know what? If you don't shop, I'm, I'm just saying. What you can, is he about to say? You, you know, annoying. Saying, we are more than just ors. We can do a lot of things. I am exhausted. Go ahead. I'm just saying, if if Jeezy and Gucci Man can get on versus last night and put on the show, I think we we can we learned a lot from that. But um, as far as why folks should buy the book, I believe in my heart of hearts, if you are really wanting to do this movement that everybody is talking about, uh, healing generational hurt and um, uh, moving away from generational trauma, this is the book to help you do that. Not saying this the end all be all, but I damn sure believe that it is going to get you into a little bit closer to the healing and the support that you need as a black father to make that happen. And yes, it is for black dads, but I know for a fact, 
um, many of us know some some black fathers who are either they have children right now or they have a kid now or because it's corona um, you probably have a couple of kids coming in a couple months right what so, out period i'm just saying um, <laughs> so i definitely believe if you are wanting to develop and create a new narrative for black fatherhood and the black family this is the book that i for certain wholeheartedly believe and it's not because i'm the author i genuinely believe that this is the book that can help move the dial forward so get it got it good so jamal towards the end or at the end of every one of my episodes i like to do a song of the week um you are the star of this week's episode so the song is yours what have you selected tell us all about it yes um so i mean Last night was the versus battle, right? Um, but if anybody knows me, which, you know, folks know, um, I've been a Young Jeezy fan for since 2005. So July 26, 2005, Thug Motivation 101 came out. Um, and I was telling my wife this about the whole history of Jay-Z, or Jay-Z Young Jeezy and Gucci Man, and um, just kind of like, my fan, my fandom, how I used to go get mixtapes and things along those lines. Um, so the song that comes to my mind um, when I think about my time in, in life and like what was getting me through, um, it is off of Thug Motivation 101 and it's Get Your Mind Right. Um, so that, that'll be the song that I'm going to contribute to the song of the week. Uh, some folks might be like, oh, that's whack. That's okay. I'm the person that's uh, selecting the song. So if you don't exactly. like it, you don't like it, jump off, jump into some water with some floaties on. Um, yes, please, with floaties on. Yeah, you know, I don't know who can swim or not. Um, but um, that song actually took me through a lot in my life. Um, I revisit that album so many times, and that's like the go-to song. And um, my brother reminded me yesterday, like I was the one that introduced him to Young Jeezy playing that album in my Hyundai. Uh, Elantra and just was so hyped. You couldn't tell me I didn't have speakers. I didn't. Um, I didn't have that that bass like that, but you couldn't tell me anything different. And so that'll be my song of the week is Get Your Mind Right, Young Jeezy, Thug Motivation 101. Um, it, it, it holds a special place. That whole album holds a special place in my heart, but that song in particular definitely um, got me through a lot um, in my life. So. I don't know the song, so like literally when we're done with this, I'm going to play it because I don't know that song at all. Um, Jamal, thank you so much for coming on here this week to talk about this amazing book that you have out that I really, really love that I can't wait for everyone else to get their hands on and, to, and sing your praises and tell you how dope these stories are and, and tell the, sing these father's praises for even coming out and telling these stories and being vulnerable and open in this way. It's, it's amazing. It's dope. And I, I want to see more of it. Um, please let us know where can we follow you on social media? How can we get in contact with you? All the facts. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so you can, um, hit, hit us up on our website, melanatedandeducated.com. Um, you can follow me on the instas, um, at Dr. Underscore Myrick. So that's M as in Michael, Y as in Yancey, R I C as in cat and K as in Kevin. Um, you can definitely, that'll probably be the best place to connect with me and then if you want to email me um, tap in you can reach me at myrick period jamal j-a-m-a-l 
at melanatedandeducated.com. Not even gmail.com. I'm oh, here yeah, for yeah. it. I'm here. Not I love it. See, y'all see what I'm saying? I love it. Do you do y'all not understand? Do y'all see who I surround myself with? Who's who's around me? I feel so blessed. I really I'm dramatic, but I really do feel so blessed. And I'm like, let me calm down the antics real quick. But um, thank you again. I plan on buying this book for my dad. Okay, he doesn't know it. He's gonna get it nice little gifty, giftly wrapped and nice with the notebook. Take both. Okay. And and that's gonna be a nice little Christmas gift for him. Um, and then any other, any other uh, father that I know that I want to gift, I'm going to definitely hook you up with that too. Cause I think it's, it's important. It should be yeah. on everybody's bookshelf. And I think it should be something that, uh, you never know who's watching. So as you may be the new dad and you have that book and you have it on your bookshelf, your boy becomes a father. What if you pass that book down? Yeah. What if that's something that you do within your circle or just buy the book? Um, but <laughs> you know, we could do that, but, um, start a, if you want to start a little book club, fellas, this might be a good place to start. So if you want to follow me on social media at Legally Black, that's Instagram. They didn't tell you podcasts. Also on Instagram, website, www.theydidntellyou.com. This Young Jeezy song will be on the season two playlist. Um, link in bio for all of these things. Uh, what else I want to say? Thank you all for always being real ones. I appreciate y'all so much for coming back and sticking with me for another season. I, like I said before, and probably a bunch of episodes this is my favorite season because I'm bringing so many people on that I love and care about because I want to put y'all on to how dope and amazing that they are. Um, Jamal's information will all be tagged in the uh, show notes, the podcast description, whatever details, whatever that's called, if that's where you will find this information. So if you didn't get to write it down right now, don't worry. Just go ahead and click and you can click on his name. It'll take it to Instagram, take it to his website. And then while you're also there in the show notes, you can also leave me a review. Okay. You can rate the podcast. There we go. Right. Subscribe, share all of that. And um, leave me a nice little review. Let me know how I'm doing and how you're feeling about season two. Thank y'all so much. And we're out of here. All right. Peace y'all. Peace, 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 peace. Enjoy your holidays. If you get on, <laughs> peace, peace, peace. Bye y'all. Bye. Thank you.